All right, now joining me from uh, the great state of Ohio, hanging out, uh, you know, rubbing his hands together um, and emptying his pockets because he's got as big a weekend as we do because we have divisional playoffs in the NFL. It's Mr. Ryan Fowler from Yard Barker. Mr. Fowler. Well, season's greetings, sir. Uh, how you doing? And uh, how are things in, uh, in the great state of Ohio? Oh, terrific, and I'll steal a line from uh, Dan Snyder. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, well, yes. since we're doing season's greetings, uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and Mr. Snyder was so apt to point out that Thanksgiving is only, what, 11 months away. Uh, always on it the is. pulse of America. Dan Snyder, quick with a line. So <laughs> uh, a season's guy. greetings to you and yours. Yes, thank you. Uh, very much appreciate it. <laughs> uh, how's the season been to you so far? You haven't had you on the show this year. Uh, tell, tell people a little bit of what you got going on at Yard Barker and where people can find you on the internet machine if they need to uh, harass you about anything you say today. Sure, yeah. I've been working with uh, Yard Barker uh, as a contributor the last few years. Uh, each week, uh, usually around Friday afternoon, uh, I post my weekly prop bets for the weekend, uh, all tied into Bet Online uh, uh, odds or the latest odds that we had. Uh, available. Um, had a pretty good year uh, as far as picks go. Uh, you can go to a website called nflpickwatch.com to check out how I fared. But uh, heading into the, the divisional round, uh, my ATS win percentage is the top of the group. And that's got experts from um, all over the country um, as far as the United States goes. Um, and I've been, again, building on that the last few years because, again, uh, the way that this season went and anybody who was dropping digits on uh, ATS picks uh, as the season went out, knows how much of a grind that was. But uh, yeah, was I came through one. pretty nice down there uh, in December. Uh, and, and heading into the postseason, I'm uh, what's my record here? 140 and 112 against the spread, 55.6 percent uh, win percentage. Because there were a lot of pushes uh, this year, so uh, pretty pumped about that. And then uh, I'm on Twitter at Freelance Fowler. If anybody wants to chop up some uh, NFL conversation, uh, always willing to chat with people about that. Hey Ryan, how far off you think we are? Um, to when I feel like it's got to be close to when like the, the talking head pundits on all the network NFL shows have to have to oh, yeah. pony up and start picking right. ATS numbers because literally, <laughs> literally, if you just took most of them and you all they did, all they did when they made their picks every week on Monday night or Sunday night or they did their morning stuff, you know what I mean? How they go through it and then and, and it's all just hokey, uh, you know, uh, blow hard garbage but if if they just picked the favorite whether it was one point or ten points across the board they would have better records than they do trying to pick straight up wins and losses for the most sure. part so how far off are we because i mean it's it's, it's you know the, whole, the the gambling legalization is 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 all over the place it's it's going state by state right now are, are we ever going to get a chance where they have to actually like grow some cojones and start picking ATS numbers here? Or is it just going to be this fluffy garbage for the rest of our lives? Because it drives me insane, as you can probably tell. Yeah, it's a, it's a multifaceted answer. And I'll start with this. You have an NFL team moving to Las Vegas, for crying out loud. I oh mean, God, right? geez. <laughs> when, when, if you have a team moving to Vegas, and like you mentioned, state by state, they're starting to legalize sports gambling. This, this has to happen sooner rather than later. But here's what you have to remember. At the broadcast television in, in the States at CBS and Fox and all the pregame shows, there is a lot of old blood, the old guard that have been there for 20, 30 years yeah. and embracing fantasy football, embracing gambling, even though they probably do it themselves. It's not the way that it's been for 20, 30 years. And they're kind of set their ways. 
They want to have the back and forth between uh, the main host and then typically the former players, uh, and then maybe a couple feature stories, one-on-one interviews. And that, that template has worked for them for so many years, they're not breaking it because the, the, the um, ratings are still up. Now, with that said, how long will it be? I would think, and again, this is going back to where I believe kiosks to make a bet will be in each stadium within the next five years, personally. And I, that might be a little rushed, but I again, there's a team in Vegas. Hello. Um, I think on the TV broadcast, it'll happen within three years. They're just going to start dropping spreads in when they do their picks, hey? They have to because they they're easing it in on ESPN it's so crazy, right now. I think right? the, 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 the NFL network might be the most hesitant just because they have the most to lose as being the, the shield and they have a lot to protect on their network. But I think CBS, and again, they had Jimmy the Greek on back in the day. I mean, there's a reason I could see it coming on the, on the national network, CBS and Fox pregame shows sooner maybe than uh, ESPN, which is owned by Disney, yeah. and then the Shield at NFL Network. But I think CBS and Fox will – Fox definitely. They'll be the first because they already have a gambling program on their network. Um, and so does ESPN. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but, again, it's just to get it to that show level, uh, I think we're probably three years away yeah. uh, as more and more states uh, embrace uh, legalized sports gambling. Yeah, you know, and I just can't wait to uh, – for, for it, by the way, just to be normalized, which it probably should be, um, but also to, like, just have the, the picks, guys, just get crushed so egregiously. Just absolutely mm-hmm. obliterated against the spread. I'm going to get so much yep. joy out of watching guys go, well, uh, you know, Howie, how'd you do last week? Oh, well, on the season, I'm 2-30. and 30. <laughs> You know what I mean? We're going to be like, shut the hell up. Get out of here. Like, I can't wait for it. Anyways, hey, let's get on to uh, what's going on this weekend. Of course, um, the good people at betonline.ag provide us with all of uh, the odds, uh, all the point spreads, all the totals numbers, and all the insight. Um, they give us a lot of good insight information on uh, on where the line's going and where the line's moving. And uh, that's where Fridays come in because on Fridays, we've got a real, uh, you know, a, a more stabilized point spread to, to generally look at. And of course you and I want to go over these division numbers, um, for this weekend. Cause it's, uh, wow, it's a, it's a big freaking weekend here. So, um, uh, let's just get right into it, my friend. Uh, we got a whole bunch of Saturday games coming up, and our our early matchup are the Vikings at 49ers. Uh, let's just, let's just break this down a bit. You know, the Vikings. You know, personally, I don't know if you listen to the show, but uh, on the show, uh, there was two things that we said about their game, the matchup last week at the Saints. Uh, one was that we have an angry, uh, motivated Saints team that wanted to buy that that you know uh, were thirteen and three and still had to play a wild card game. They were just pissed off, and they were just going to go slap around Minnesota, um, you know, uh, like like yesterday's news. And it was going to be a funny waste of time game. That they were we we teased them down on some on a crazy parlay. It was just a no-brainer for us, um, except for the second thing that we said was there is a chance that we could be talking about a, an era, a franchise era in New Orleans where they are just snake-bitten. And if you talk Minnesota Miracle, you talk about the egregious pass interference last year, that they're just going to be one of those teams where it's just where they're <laughs> just wide right for the rest of their career until everybody moves on. And it's just going to be the legacy that they live there. Sure, Breeze has a Super Bowl, but in recent memory, in the last decade or so, it's been like, oh, God, you guys just can't. Something happens. This is terrible. And sure mm-hmm. as shit, guess what we saw last week? And now we have Minnesota going on the road to take on San Francisco. So uh, quick thoughts on last week's game, and then uh, let's get into the seven-point current uh, road underdogs are the Minnesota Vikings against San Francisco. Let's fire away. Yeah, just uh, real quick to kind of tie a bow on last week's game. Um, I-, I watched it, and it's funny. I had 
I had the Vikings plus the the, the eight because I thought the Saints they were four and four against the spread at home this past year. They have no business being an eight point favorite against a playoff team, especially yeah. the caliber of the Vikings. The big X factor was what Dalvin Cook will we get? Because they always say, oh, his shoulder's fine, he's good to go, but then you need to see it, and yeah. we saw it. And then Adam Thielen has his second-best game of the year. Um, so a lot of chips fell into place. Plus, and this is what I wrote about uh, on my Odd Shark article, was that the, the Vikings turning the ball over on their opening drive and then the Saints going down and having to settle for a field goal set the tone for the rest of that yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. It really kind of sucked the wind out of, out of the dome there. And they just could never really get clicking. The only thing that was really working for them on a regular basis was Taysom Hill. And then Taysom <laughs> yeah, Hill had that huge run. Next play, Breeze gets the uh, ball knocked out of his hand, and then you have another game-changing play. So a lot of things uh, that the Vikings do well, they executed on a high level. And again, having Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen post their best games of the year, that was, in my mind, the difference maker. As far as flipping it forward to this week, it goes back to Dalvin Cook in my mind. How is his conditioning? He had to miss the last few weeks because of the shoulder injury. Heavy, heavy workload, season high in carries last week. And now he goes against a softer rush defense that is getting healthy uh, at the right time. 49ers are probably getting a couple guys back on the, on the line uh, and, and Quan Alexander as that linebacker. So I'm a little nervous uh, with this matchup. At the beginning of the week when the lines came out and the Vikings were getting seven, I was all over it. But now the, the more I see about Thielen with the ankle – I guess he got cut in practice on Wednesday. This guy is speaking of snake bitten this year yeah. for what he did in 2018 to what he's doing right now. He's a little banged up. So now I'm starting to pump the brakes on, on looking at that plus seven and, and maybe flipping. But as of right now, I still believe that the 40 miners, 49ers might be a little overvalued. They struggled against the spread at home this year. Jimmy G's first game, as you mentioned, I'm really still leaning towards Vikings plus seven. And I'll be interested to see, uh, if the line moves any more as far as news, they're being very vague about Thielen right now. How will his ankle hold up, that type of stuff? Um, but I think you just have another steady diet of Dalvin Cook uh, against a softer rush defense, and you kind of control that clock because at the end of the day, the 49ers offense doesn't really scare me uh, except when Matt Breida gets out in the open field. Yeah, exactly. He's speedy dude. And, uh, and, and, you know, that's the question too. I think Thielen is the factor here because, um, that, that pass D for, for uh, San Francisco can just change everything. It can turn you into mm-hmm. just a, a wet mop, um, immediately yep. if they get on their, their job. But uh, that being said, when, uh, when they're challenged, when they're the challenge and teams come out, hit them in the mouth a little bit. Um, you can put some points up on them, um, and that's that. It'll be a guy like Thielen to come in and, and and screw that up. If Dalvin Cook can get rolling, and you have Thielen, you know, making some plays. He's only going to make a couple plays and get them back on the heels. And that San Francisco pass D just changed drastically um, from time to time. This is a tough one, though. I think the line's about where it is, and uh, we all we're in consensus that it, it really is. And then you got to be nervous about um, you know, all this hype on San Francisco. You know, this is this is a yeah. big home game for for a team that, I mean, the expectations last season were just insane, and then and then it just kind of came back down to earth. And then this this we this season is no absolutely no different. Um, and to sit there and say they look, you know, like Baltimore Raven esque in how they've been like flawless the last eleven weeks or twelve weeks of just like steamrolling. They're not steamrolling teams. You know, no. in recent memory, they People lost out. to the Seahawks, you know, like it's, it's true. It's a real thing. And it was a tight one. The last game of the season too, you know, they, they're, yeah. they're, they've beatable. allowed 31.7 points per game, their last four. And again, that was because some of the injuries at the tail end of the season, but 31 points for a team that's supposed to be 
a Super Bowl contender. Yeah. That's where when I look at that, and yes, their their pass defense is great, and Kirk Cousins could regress to the mean <laughs> greatly as far as again, he got the monkey off his back in New Orleans as a guy that can't win the big game, and that could come back and bite him this week uh, against a solid pass defense. But if you have Dalvin Cook and you're opening up the play action, Kirk Cousins is just a different quarterback. It's just a matter of okay, if Thielen is limited or out. Stephon Diggs was not happy last week with the amount of targets he was getting. He would need yeah. to step up, then you need more Kyle Rudolph, and then they have the alphabet soup of other receivers. So, yeah. again, losing that, that consistent cog that you had last week in Thielen, it really does change the d- dynamic of what Kirk Cousins you could get in this game because he was so good last week. This is game time for you for betting on this. If you, you're, you're like, take the plus seven if you think Thielen's looking spry. But if he's not, that's going to be a tough bet to place. Yeah, it's I might like, walk away. To be yeah. completely honest, I know we don't want to like uh, sit on the fence on these, but Thielen it was just so much of a factor last week to lose that element and to have that balance. Even if Diggs is a decoy like he was last week, that's a nice decoy to have because when all when again when Thielen and Diggs are clicking and they were in 2018 a bunch when Cook was hurt, that offense can move and then Cook just added this new element. So again, it's just a matter of of having all three working at the same time. And that didn't happen a lot this year because of Cook's shoulder, Thielen's hamstring in the middle of the year. So, so again, Cousins gets all the bad ink because he's the QB and he's got the big contract, but it's not all his fault. And again, the one other uh, stat that I love, and this is a big thing I look at when I do handicap my games and uh, really did help me down the stretch as far as uh, squeezing in the top three, as far as win loss record was Minnesota's red zone scoring percentage. So when, the opposing team gets in the red zone. How often are they scoring touchdowns? Yeah. Ranked second this year in red zone scoring percentage. So the last week, the Saints get down into the red zone, settle for the field goal. That's a win for the Vikings. 44%, 30% over their last three games. So even if Jimmy G and them get down there, if they settle for field goals, that's where the Vikings can bite you and cover that seven. Boom. Love it. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Titans-Ravens, the afternoon game on Saturday. Uh, currently the Ravens 10 points. I mean, getting 10 points, almost two games with, with, uh, with double digit, uh, um, point spreads on the board this week, which is crazy. This is a divisional round. This is the wild card crap here. Um, but it's a divisional round and bet you have the Titans that came off of, uh, you know, um, playing against a a New England's, uh, Patriots anemic offense that just couldn't get itself going all season long and the result of it they didn't improve themselves to a point that they could score um but i mean if you look at that game last week it was a one-point game up until like a garbage 10 seconds left you know uh you know pick six uh you know the pats could very easily um had they just scored on that first in goal from the three-yard line um probably would have walked away with the victory at home and maybe went away running because the game um composure would have changed drastically there but Titans, you know, played clock games with Bill Belichick. They, uh, you know, their, their defense was able to, to uh, muscle that, you know, New England Patriots offense off the field. And now they're landing on a road trip to Baltimore as 10-point underdogs. I don't look at this game in any way that this isn't like um, a Ravens slobber knocking here. Um, considering it in, in a bit different from, say, the San Francisco 49ers, in their position, um, Baltimore looks so comfortable late in the season, still kicking mm-hmm. ass. You know, it's not like your teams ebb and flow, right? And you just get the characteristic of a team change. Um, you know, in in in, pa- in pockets during seasons and into the playoffs. But this Ravens team, 
it's just, they're so consistently badass and they just continue. Mm-hmm. They're a juggernaut. They're just so, they execute so well. It's so hard for me to see, as we talked about with San Francisco, you know, w- what the Titans could bring to Baltimore that might trip them up a little bit. Cause I just can't see it here. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I kind of touched on when I wrote my game preview for this is, you know, okay. So the Titans, some people are probably the people that are backing the Titans are probably looking at this plus 10 and saying that's an overreaction to Ryan Tannehill being completely shut down by the Patriots. Right. Too many points. I think, I think that it's not an overreaction because the Baltimore Ravens secondary is improved. They're over the last three games coming down the stretch. You mentioned how well they played down the stretch and smooth 156 pass yards allowed per game to the opposing team when most of the time the opposing team was trailing. So their pass defense is a a, a top eight pass defense, even though the Patriots are the second best Ravens are still in that realm. So for the people that are taking the Titans plus 10, because of that, I I think I get a little nervous that you're, you're kind of reading too much into the tea leaves. Ryan Tannehill had a nice stretch at the end of the year. He was hitting A.J. Brown, the rookie receiver, on a regular basis, and that was a nice rapport they were building. But the M.O. in this game against the Ravens will be just like before. Can Derrick Henry rush for 130-plus yeah. yards? Is he exhausted? Because he, he went into the last couple weeks of the season hurt. Um, he had a rest. They pull him out there, and then they rush him 60-plus times over the last two weeks. So how's his conditioning? How is he feeling? Because the workload is going to continue this week. Because Ryan Tannehill is probably not going to be able to beat uh, the Ravens with his arm. Flip that. The one thing about the Titans that I liked in years past was their defense was quietly good. Not elite, but quietly good, above average. That's not the case this year. And the one thing, it's one thing to stop Mark Ingram, who's going to be limited with the cap, but he's going to play through it. But it's one thing to stop the rush. It's another thing to stop Lamar Jackson in open space. Yeah. So that's where I think this game kind of changes because when Lamar pulls it and runs, nobody's been able to stop it. Anybody that's watched the highlight, that's where I like analytics, but I also like the eye test. And that's where it becomes a little tricky for the Titans to really contain this offense when Jackson gets in the open field. And then when he does pass, he's got that little sidearm action, nine yards down the field, Mark Andrews, tight end. If you look at the Raven stats, the tight ends work. And I think that's where the the Titans are going to get hurt is that, Jackson's making it work at all levels. He's either handing to Ingram, he's running it himself, or he's not taking too many gambles, and he's working that tight end pass uh, over the soft middle of the field. All those elements combined, that's why I'm okay laying the, the Ravens minus 10 in this matchup. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's basically, we're on the same page here because it's it's about how smooth they are. It's When I say that, it's like it's like that. I hate using words like, uh, like, like composure and, and shit for quarterback such a cliche but the fact is the guy keeps it safe but still like blows up plays you know it's 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 amazing mm-hmm. it's a very different thing a lot of a lot of younger quarterbacks don't really get i mean uh, look at uh, was it josh Allen with this like goofy lateral like crap right the right. like panic button right. shit that these guys do when they see something and they just go like oh my god i gotta make something happen and go crazy and you have a guy like lamar jackson who has all of these he keeps it within um his his very high level of skill, but he keeps it within his skill set, and he doesn't ever do anything that like really really pulls him um, to where he's not going to execute. He's just so clean with some of the stuff he does, and you're absolutely right there. He makes the safe passes. That granted, a safe pass for him is a hell of a pass for most people. Um, so that bar mm-hmm. is set a little bit further, but 
um, what they don't do is they don't do these crazy, wacky, risky things, you know, so stuff that like Russell Wilson just hung his hat on making those things happen. Um, right. You got a guy like right. Lamar Jackson who just manages to make the safe pass in the hectic chaos of the style of play that he has, where it's just a blown up him running out. And I think you're absolutely right there. And I just think Baltimore has just been so consistently good. They're so well coached. Um, it's just, I don't, I don't, I don't see, yeah, the 10 is an easy thing for me unless we're talking garbage. Um, but I don't trust Tannehill to drop a garbage two minute warning touchdown or, you know, or field goal to pull this, uh, any closer Sunday. Texans Chiefs. Chiefs have been waiting. Man, did they kind of sneak up on everybody a little bit? Remember remember when Mahomes went down and they're like, we're finished? And it was like, oh gosh, they went from the de facto number one seed in the entire AFC to being like, well, Baltimore and the Patriots are now the, the big dogs. And what's KC going to do? Boom. Now we got them getting their bye, getting a home game against the Houston Texans. Um, nine and a half point home faves right now. Texans coming off a... Uh, I mean, I mean, a, a decent wild card win. It was, it was a, um, a game that we took on our end. We actually bet we teased the the Texans up to plus nine, um, and just and managed <laughs> to win the bet. Still, uh, even even though we we essentially bet against them, uh, they're heading in the KC here. I think this is a similar story to uh, to Titans Ravens. You're just gonna have a team that's just gonna be outworked. And Bill O'Brien like did everything to give that game up last week against the Bills. By the way, and going for it on fourth and um, when he could have just taken the points and made the Bills go 85 yards, 80 yards to score a touchdown. <laughs> He just goes for it, doesn't get it, lets him tie. You know what I mean? He just it's so Bill O'Brien of him. I don't see how he goes on the road here and he he gets uh, he he doesn't he out coaches anybody. Yeah, I mean that was a painful game to watch. Like, oh my god! You know, I, the, 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 I mean, it, it's enjoyable as that opening drive was, where they got John Brown and they had the wide receiver pass touchdown for the Bills. It, it just the rest of it was just terrible and. I, Houston's a tough watch for me just in general, even though Deshaun Watson <laughs> just came ugly. up big down the It's just ugly, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and again, the one thing I go back to uh, with the Chiefs coming off the extra rest, a.k.a. bye, it goes back to Andy Reid's success with an extra week to prepare. Yeah, he didn't know who he was looking at, but it could narrow it down to two teams, and Andy Reid's team's off the bye, 22-4 and four straight up, 17-9 and nine against the spread oh, all yeah. time in the regular season and postseason combined. Uh, with with that extra week to prepare, so again, this is where Andy Reid excels. He's a game manager, game planner, gets that extra time to look at both the Bills and the and the uh, Texans tape, and then sees that monstrosity of them beating the hell out of each other last week. And so <laughs> he knows he has a leg up. And uh, I'm trying to figure out again with the way that the Chiefs defense again, uh, the, the Chiefs offense is what it is. It's down year over year. Uh, it's not as explosive as it was in 2018. You lose a Kareem Hunt, you insert a Damian Williams. Tyree Kill still made some plays, not as many, not as often. Um, Travis Kelsey, good, not as good as 2018. That's fine because their defense played so much better um, than I think a lot of people yeah. thought. Halfway through the season, Tyron Matthews. Mahomes was coming back from injury. Yeah. Their defense got healthy. Pass rush, averaging more than three sacks per game this season. Um, a lot of good things happening on the defensive side of the ball that creates what I believe is the best balance aside from the Ravens um, that allows them to go in there and enroll this team. Because if Deshaun Watson and, and that team is overmatched by the Bills on their home turf, going into Arrowhead's no picnic, and this game could get away from them fast. Yeah, and I agree. I couldn't agree with you more. And I, frankly, this is a better. This is the best 
KC team in terms of, I think, the probability of going to a Super Bowl and, and maybe um, taking out the Baltimore Ravens. They are a better team, even though it's not this flashy Mahomes. Oh, my God, he's throwing, like, behind-the-back 60-yard <laughs> touchdown. Like, everyone's like, oh, crazy. Guess what happened? A, a, a pretty good Patriots team went on the road and, and whooped them. You know, be, I mean, I guess well, they went in overtime, but still, like, you know, when beat them on their own turf um, because of a bad, just a bad defense and they could get scored upon. And now they've, uh, it's definitely Jekyll and Hyde compared to where they were. And uh, uh, it's a good defense. I can't believe I'm saying this about the same, the Andy Reid football team is that it's a, this is a really good defense and, uh, and, and it's good enough to let Mahomes do his thing and get him the ball back enough. And I feel it's one of those situations, exactly what you're saying here. I can't believe we're agreeing on everything here. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> is that, yeah, I mean, Casey runs away with this. The Houston Texans are way over their head going on the road against the, the Chiefs. Like, absolutely, they, this is this is apples and oranges of teams here. Um, I think the Bills would have a hell of a better chance, by the way, against the Kansas City mm-hmm. Chiefs had they gone on the road to do this. I really think this would have been a six-point spread. And the Bills would have probably grinded out something here and just wouldn't have been able to keep mm-hmm. up offensively. I really do. Uh, yeah, Texans, that plus nine and a half is, uh, I mean, it's tough to do, but it's, uh, I wish it was 10, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's tough to take it away from KC. Finally. So let's let's go with uh, a little bit of history on this podcast mm-hmm. here on the Under Review Show about uh, the Seattle Seahawks. We've been, we've we've labeled them as the frauds of football this year. They've screwed <laughs> us out of so much money on so many bets. <laughs> They we whatever they they change their stripes every single week. We don't even know what the hell they spent the first eleven weeks of the season having a point differential per game of one point five points. Yet they won. <laughs> they'd won. They were like eight and three. Yet and yet they were they they'd won. They had a one point five point differential per game. It was absolutely insane. So you know you start betting on them to cover everything basically because they're just it's just little or not because it's whatever the spread is, and then they just screw you over on that. You don't know who they are or what they are. You see, I mean, going back east to Philly last week, uh, basically I felt like that was, I, I mean, I felt that they would win. I mean, it's a great strategy when you concuss the starting quarterback of your opponent. Um, <laughs> I think that's a really, that was a really good game plan that they put together there. That the, the uh, clowny just, that's his, they, they, they invoked the clowny clause in the game and just, he went out and did it again. He did it to Foles and then he did it to Wentz. He just, he just concuss everybody. And then, yeah, he, he had a better Pete chance. Carroll's of... brilliant. Pete yeah. Carroll in that film study. You know, if we take out their starting quarterback <laughs> and they have uh practice squad guys, I like our chance. Yeah. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's just go right after his head there. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Granted they come in, but now they're on the road going into Lambo only as four and a half point underdogs. And this is the most insane thing. I don't, I can barely even like wrap my head around why this is such a tight line here. Because I'm looking at Green Bay. Look at who Seattle beat last week, by the way. And it wasn't even like they ran away with this damn thing. And it was backup quarterbacks. They they know like who's I think I would I could have probably walked on as a receiver for Philly last week. And and they would have been like, Yeah, great, suit up, dude. We miss you know what I mean? There's nobody there. It was just a a a, a patched together football team. Um and now they're going to Green Bay only as four and a half, where you got the Packers that are A getting healthy, B got a good defense, Aaron Rodgers at home. Four and a half points, though we talked about snake bitten with uh, the Saints here. Um, Seattle seems to always just like kind of, you know, d- just be, be a thorn in the side of the Green Bay Packers a little bit, you know? I'm going back to fail Mary mm-hmm. days with that, you know? Sure. Yeah, but when I, when I started chopping this up, I mean, you mentioned how Seattle kind of redid their stripes every week, and it's funny because 
two years ago, I couldn't get a Seahawks game against the spread, right. To save yeah. my life. It was just the team. I just wanted to avoid every week, even though yeah. the way that you do it on pick watch, you pick every game, but I mean, Seahawks tended to against the spread in the last 12 as an underdog. It's crazy. Um, and here's the thing that just kind of struck me in Aaron Rodgers drives me absolutely crazy. I'm, I'm not, I, I like Aaron Rodgers as a career full um, resume this year. He drives me absolutely crazy because it almost like his give a shit factor is kind of out the window a little yeah. bit. Like, he's like weird, I got right? Devonte Adams. It's nice. And then I got all these other guys. Oh man. Aaron Jones is actually good. So I'm going to have to give credit to the running back. And it kind of irks him, you know, cause he always plays with that chip on his shoulder, which has gotten him a lot of, a lot of hype and, and a lot of the good things that have happened in his career because of that chip. But right now they're winning ugly. And that and that's when you win ugly yeah. in a game against the Seahawks, Pete Carroll's winning that game. Oh, they're they, oh, they own ugly. They right. own ugly in Seattle. Yeah. And <laughs> the the one thing that struck me, again, this was two weeks removed now. You mean to to earn that first round by you had to grind out your second win over the Lions? You didn't lead against the three and thirteen and one Detroit well, whatever it was, three 12 and one, whatever the record was yeah. lions in your two matchups until Crosby bailed you out with game winning field goals. You had a first round buy on the line and you're grinding out games against blah, the, oh. the third string quarterback. That's where, this is where I'm like, which Packers team are we getting right now? And when it's this ugly and Rogers is only completing 62% of his passes, which when I looked it up, it cracked me up. Rogers completion percentage of 62% because he has Devontae Adams and then a cast of characters tied with Kyle Allen and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay. That's there. That's where Aaron Rodgers comes in and saves the day. And, and, and that's great. What does uh, the Packers struggle against the run? Yes. The Seahawks are down to Marshawn Lynch, Travis Homer. And if they want to throw him in their turf, it's still going to work for the Seahawks, in my yeah, opinion. They, they, no, I they think do. this game comes down to a field goal. I think this game comes down to a field goal. I think four and a half is baiting me enough to go in there and say, Pete Carroll, he's got a, a lot of luck. It's going to be cold weather. Uh, I think that's another reason to take a look at the under in this game, too, because uh, the frozen tundra will be frozen. But at this point, with the way that both teams are playing um, and in knowing what Russell Wilson can pull a rabbit out of his hat, no matter what the conditions, uh, I like the Seahawks to hang within four. I had them at plus four. At four and a half, I'm definitely in. Yeah, man. And this is the thing. This is what they've done all season long, right? It's that 1.5 point differential thing where it's just like, no, no, no. Yeah. Even if they lose, it's on the goal line with no time left by one inch. <laughs> you know, like that's yeah. how they just do it. And and uh, it, it literally comes down to like Russell Wilson being like, hey, guys, hey, Tyler Lockett. You're just going to go run f- as fast as you can. And then when you turn right <laughs> at the monkey bars, okay. And then I'm going to throw yep. it to the bike rack and just, I'm just going <laughs> to launch it up there. You know what I mean? It's like, it, this is how they play. And then he catches it and he catches it every freaking time. Like he flip, he's tiny. Yeah, and then guy. all of a sudden DK Metcalf comes out of nowhere last yeah. week and just posts his best numbers of his career. And sets a, a playoff record for a rookie in a debut. I mean, this is what Pete Carroll does. It's insane. It's like, hey, DK Metcalf, you're not very good at running routes. Uh, we wouldn't consider you nimble. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to make Tyler Lockett zip around there and catch a bunch of balls and freak everybody out and then just run straight for a bit because no one's going to pay attention <laughs> to you anymore. And then you're going to catch 200 yards worth of, worth of uh, passes because this is what we do. And it's insane. It drives me crazy to handicap these guys, but I can't see it any other way in, in your regard. Like uh, um, on, our, on our show on Tuesday... 
Um, one of my co-hosts is a huge Packers guy. He, he, he's going through the you know, statistically why the Packers should just absolutely slobber knock this and it should just be a laugh. And I'm sitting there the whole time being like, this is what Seattle's been doing to us all season long. Mm-hmm. Every game you handicap, you go, there's no way. But then they just end up doing it and they just keep it tight. Mm-hmm. And yeah, even if they lose straight up, it's by something stupid, like two points. And you're like, oh my God, they still covered. We lost our money. Um, yeah, this is one of those like head spinners here. But you're right. And a weird number like four and a half too, which drives me freaking insane. Yeah. It's got to be four right. and a half. What's a four and a half, guys? Help me out a little bit here. But that's exactly what the Seahawks do. They drop four and a halves on us all season long. <laughs> so um, yeah, I like where your head's at there because they are, uh, uh, they're untrustworthy um, and they shouldn't do it, but then they just kind of do. And they might be in an NFC championship game this year. Um because with with in a rebuilding season, because this is the scrappy, ugly, garbage games that they play, and then it's really tough to defend against. There you go, man. There's our uh, there's our divisional lineup. Hey, are you uh, you're in Ohio? Are you uh, are you uh, Bengals or Browns? What's your? Uh, what- Grew up thirty minutes south of Cleveland. Um, it's I I thank the good Lord every day for that Cavs championship in 2016. Because the Indians losing Game Seven later that fall, and then just the nightmare that's been the Browns. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful for you know everybody can talk trash about LeBron, Kevin Love, and Kyrie Irving. Those are my dudes. Yeah, they got I a bet. championship while I was still alive. Well, so. they can't talk crap uh, when you have yeah, that Cleveland. tattooed across your shoulder blades, right? All of their faces. I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. Um, hey, so what do you, how do you feel about uh, Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady coming over to Cleveland with that uh, offensive lineup? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we want to keep Brady upright one more year, and I, I, I do think Brady stays in, in New England. But McDaniel, oh, totally does. But again, this is this is the best time of the year for the Browns fan base. It's the off season because yeah. everybody's an expert, everybody's a general manager. I mean, I've been tracking this t- team uh, as as a fan for thirty four years, and then as a as a media professional or whatever you want to call it for the last fifteen. It's it's a nightmare because I thought Kitchens was going to work. I thought. The, the camaraderie that him and Baker had was a good thing. And then it turned into the substitute teacher and he couldn't keep anybody in check. And then uh, feelings got hurt and he had, he had not enough experience and that just completely blew up in their face. They need a guy with experience. McDaniels has that. Yes. It didn't work with Tebow, but I think Baker's got enough talent. He showed it in 2018. He just, like he said, he needs an O line and, and Joe Thomas isn't walking through that door to rebuild that O line. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's going to take some work because he was running for his life this year, and that didn't make anything easier. And somehow Chubb still had a, a monster year behind that line. Yeah, that's kind of that's wild. Chubb, Chubb is the maybe the highlight re, the highlight of that entire season where you got to look at this guy and say, yep. if we can keep this guy healthy, we got something here. We got something to, to build around. Um, we always like just just go like you know everybody's saying where's where's Brady going. The only conceivable place I feel would be to follow Josh over to you guys. Which would be crazy. You think? Well, I mean, unconceivable. I'm talking. I'm talking in like Cleveland Cleveland will explode. In the in the conceivable notion that Tom Brady actually leaves New England, which he's not going to at all. Contract aside, he sold his house and he has a contract. It's the same. By the way, everybody, it's the same contract Drew Brees has, and they build it so they can save caps on an incentive based contract for the next two years. It's not. Everyone's like, "Ooh, it expires on March. He's going to be free." Like he's not going anywhere. It's fine. Um, he's already said he's coming back, but in the, in the, you know, weird crystal ball that we like have 17 shots of tequila and it's the middle and then we go like, where is he going to go? The only <laughs> conceivable place he would love that. He would actually like, he, if you asked him, I think Tom Brady, if you got him, sat him down and just said, how crazy would that be if you had Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham? Odell Beckham is, is his like, 
he he idolizes Tom Brady. And then he goes, if he can go do that with Josh McDaniels and do that crazy wacky stuff with Chubb in the backfield, Tom Brady would be like, yeah, that would be that would be my second choice. But he's not leaving New England. I'm just saying. That should be an you, article you, written. If that, if that crystal ball craziness happened, do you trade Baker Mayfield or you sit him and hold, make him hold a clipboard? Oh, man, that's a good question. I, would he? Do you think? Do you think he's got? I, think I, for don't, Brady, I, I think, don't think that works. I, I think you've already kind of blessed him with uh, franchise quarterback tagging. He's he not the yeah. type of guy, personality-wise, that's going to want Brady to come in there, no matter how great Brady is or whatever he has left in the tank. That's Mayfield's team. He's got the 15,000 yeah. commercials that run when they're 6-10. and 10. <laughs> It's just hilarious <laughs> yeah. to me. Well, and in yeah, the no, playoffs, no matter. Uh, but it's, just, that's, it's his city now, and I think if they put Brady in there, uh, he's going to have a few conversations with his agent. You don't think, uh, you don't think of, of anybody it would be Brady that could be like, hey, kid, we don't, we don't, we don't play this game to shoot commercials. <laughs> we play this game mm-hmm. for rings. You know what I mean? It's worked before with a lot of people, but uh, yeah. maybe the only guy that could do it. Anyways, I don't know if that'll ever happen in a million years, but I think that's the only one. That's the long shot outset. We're going to get the bet online guys to do odds of that. I, I, I think we had which team. I think they went down be- as soon as Brady came out and said that he's coming back. And basically it's just, he's got a lot to prove in New England because of a shit season that they put together. Um, but let's get to, I'm going to get some Cleveland odds over to you and what the chances are of that happening. Sweet. And uh, and and we can Sweet. play around with it. Hey, uh, folks, if you loved anything that you heard here, you can uh, head to betonline.ag, use the promo code REVIEW, and uh, they'll drop you a little extra nugget of money in your account if you deposit to play on divisional football this weekend uh ryan fowler uh you are the man dude can we have you back to uh to talk about this next week yeah i'm around <laughs> yeah, I, man. I, I, I'm, I'm i'm more than happy to hop back on uh, when you need me dude uh i love it i love your insight it's so awesome stay warm in ohio my friend best of luck this weekend uh folks there you have it that's the under review show that's ryan fowler go find him at yard barker and on the twitter machine I'm D. Adios, muchachos.